This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Yes, we've talked about Houston's newest mayor, but could the timeline of mayor-elect Whitmire taking office impact another major issue facing Houstonians? Plus, the suburbs are growing really fast. And you won't believe why a front yard was labeled a biohazard. Journalist at Rice University, Brandy Smith, joins me to recap those stories and more. It's Tuesday, December 12th, 2023. I'm Rahil Ramzanali, and here's what Houston's talking about. Okay, Brandy, I know listeners are probably like, wait, did he just say Brandy Smith is a journalist at Rice? Because last time she was on, she was at KHOU. You have made a move. Tell me about this. I did. I accepted a position at Rice University as what we call a multimedia journalist. So that's someone who really covers all platforms, video, text, social, what I was doing at KHOU, but now I'm doing it for Rice University, specifically covering the arts and humanities. So it's pretty exciting for me. That is so cool. Rice just picked up an awesome, awesome multimedia journalist. You're one of the best in the city, if not the best. So I'm so happy for you. And I'm so glad because now you're going to be joining us a little bit more often, right? I know Rice University is like, cool. Yes, more CityCast Houston. So I love that as well. So let's get into it. A lot of big stories to talk about. The mayor's race, of course, that was the biggest one. We ran our episode yesterday with Houston Landings, Tim Carlin, and Paul Cobbler. But I want to give you the space here real quickly. Any thoughts from it that you want to talk about from the mayor's race or the runoff election in general? I think the mayor's race and the election of John Whitmire is really interesting because it almost seems like a referendum on Mayor Sylvester Turner, right? Because he had endorsed Sheila Jackson Lee. Um, so had Chris Hollins, who was elected to the city controller's office. So it seems like Houston voters really wanted a change because Whitmire won by a landslide. So we get to watch over the next four years and see if it's the kind of change that Houston voters were looking for. Obviously, Whitmire says first priority is uh, public safety, having conversations with Houston firefighters. And, you know, there's a lawsuit between the firefighters and the city getting that worked out and adding more Houston police officers to the streets. So public safety was his big campaign issue. And we've got to see if he delivers. Yeah. And the other thing, transparency was also big, right? Like first day at City Hall, he's saying, everybody, come on down, come talk to me. My staffers will be there as well. So we'll see how that goes and how long that upholds as well, because everyone says that, right? But you know, like six months in, a year in, two years in, what's that energy like? So that's going to be interesting to watch for sure. Okay. I know you've got another big story as well. Let's get to your first big story. What is on your mind? Well, it's related to the mayoral election. His election could delay action on those unusually high water bills that plenty of Houstonians have been complaining about. He asked the city council not to pass any major ordinances until after he takes office on January 2nd, specifically referencing a proposal to cut down on those high water bills. So that vote has already been delayed once. The city council was supposed to vote on nine ordinances last Wednesday, but council member Michael Kubosh said he hadn't had time to read them, so the vote got delayed. But 
every news organization in town has done stories about this, about people who have, you know, like a $30 or $100 water bill every month, but they've seen bills jump to hundreds or even thousands of dollars. And the city, in a lot of these cases, blamed the summer's drought for shifting old pipes, breaking them, causing leaks, and outdated water meter readers. So, Raheel, according to the city, as many as 200,000 water meter readers didn't work They straight up do not work. So Public Works has to guess the bill for about 40,000 customers a month. The city says it has replaced 71,000, leaving about 125,000 that still need to be repaired. And that process is underway, but only at a rate of 60,000 a year for the next several years. So Mayor Turner proposed these nine ordinances that would help Houstonians get a leak fixed quickly, provide discounts for electronic billing, spread an unusually high bill over several bills and kind of average it out some, stuff like that. We'll have to wait to see if this is something the council moves on before John Whitmire takes office or if the council decides to wait until after his inauguration, as he's asked. Yeah, that's going to be such a big story, right? Because not only that it's impacting Houstonians on a citizen level, but in terms of the major infrastructure as well, this was a story that we talked about over the summer that these pipes are breaking, the heat is causing so much issues or caused so many issues, and we're getting leaks, we're getting water just spilling out like billions of gallons, right? So this is going to be something to watch out for. And I know public safety is big, but this could be the first big thing that mayor-elect Whitmire could handle. It is a high priority for a lot of Houstonians. Like I mentioned, almost every single TV station in town, for example, now has franchises devoted to getting answers about high water bills, covering it week after week with different Houstonians who are facing these bills. And I, I mentioned they're going from $30 a month to $400 a month. And that is just not sustainable for a lot of folks who are already struggling with increased costs of everything else. So the fact that help was on the way, now it's been delayed, now it could possibly be delayed again, is causing some friction between Mayor Sylvester Turner and Mayor-elect Whitmire. Yep. That's going to be fun to see how this plays out because those two were at it in the last couple of weeks as well. So we'll see how that transition goes. Mm -hmm. This is going to be drama. And hopefully the citizens don't get screwed in all of this. Okay, my biggest story, Brandy, look, we know Houston is great. It's an awesome city. But Houston is more than just the city itself. And now we're learning that it had some growth in the last two years, but it was all about the suburbs. So here's some numbers for you. From 2020 to 2022, Harris County grew by about 50,000 residents. City limits grew by about 1,300. You heard that right, 1,300. And the suburbs, which we already knew they have been growing fast, they grew by more than 124,000 residents. And that's in particular Fort Bend and Montgomery County. So why so much growth? This could be because of cheaper land, housing, combination of bigger companies moving their offices out to the suburbs, the ability to work from home. There's so many different reasons, but either way, these numbers are just fascinating because we always knew Houston was more than just the city itself. It's all of these big things combined to make up Houston and not just the inner loop. So all my inner loopers listening right now, we're more than just the inner loop. It's okay. Thoughts on this? It's really interesting because when we first moved to the Houston area, we moved to Katy, a suburb. And very quickly, a year in, decided we wanted to be closer to the action. And we moved just east of downtown. I love that experience, but I know it's not for everybody, right? 
what I absolutely love about living in the greater Houston area is you can pick and choose your experience, right? If you want to live in the action downtown, do it. If you want to live, you know, just outside the loop, it's sort of a suburb experience, but you're still close enough. Anymore, these suburbs are so big. They're cities in and of themselves. Look at the Woodlands. It started as a bedroom community for Houston. And now it is the destination. It is where corporations are hubbed. And we're seeing that happen more and more in these outlying areas. I think anyone who's driven to, say, Austin recently, you'll see that Waller yeah. is now a suburb. It's it's not going to be long before Brenham is a suburb of, of Houston. It's just wild to see the growth. But you mentioned all the reasons that people move here. There's space. It's affordable. There are jobs. I'm originally from Oregon, and my family keeps asking me when I'm going to move back. And I'm like, y'all need to move here mm-hmm. because Oregon has become so financially impossible with a normal job that Houston's got everything. We do. And if you don't want to live, as you mentioned, in the city, like I am a suburban guy, I'm proud of it. I That is my Houston experience. But even where I live in the Richmond area, I moved out here because I wanted to be away from the action and there were farms and all this. And guess what happened, Brandy? All that action oh. followed me here. There's a big Amazon hub now. There's a Target. There's an HEB. Everything we need is right here within a two minute drive. So that's nice. It's great. But my experience was I wanted to go home and see cows and goats and chickens on my way home. And I literally got that for the first few years until that suburban sprawl got us as well. But yeah, the numbers show it. Look, Houston is more than just the Houstonians, right? It's all of us making up this awesome region. And that's where we get so many cool experiences from restaurants and plays and music and just living amongst each other. I love seeing these numbers. You know what's wild, though? I saw a story last week. There's a search engine for people who are moving called Move Buddha, and it calculated what the population will be like in the next century, in in 2100, based on how we moved in the past 10 years. So it looked at move data from 2010 to 2020 and extrapolated that out to 2100 and found that by 2100, if those numbers stay the same, And there are a lot of variables that can change them. But if they stay the same, there will be about 34 million people living just in North Texas. And Houston will be something like 28 or 23 million. Oh, my God. Because people, that's, that's how many people have moved here in the past 10 years. And then if you look at that over time, could you imagine? We only have 29 million people now in the whole state. Yeah, that's stressful to hear. I don't even want to be around for that. I'll be honest with you. We're, I'm moving. Okay, if I'm still around, if I'm alive, I am not going to be in this area. I don't think I will be. That's a long time away. That's a that's a lot of years. But hey, you never know. Science, right? You never know. <laughs> We're living longer. Houston's original neighborhood downtown is for everyone and it's poppin'. It's our open-hearted home for our biggest celebrations and our treasured hidden gems. From the world-class theater district to incredible green spaces like Discovery Green, downtown is the place to be. In fact, more people visited downtown Houston last year than the entire population of Dallas, Fort Worth, Austin, and San Antonio combined. There's no better time to live downtown than now. From starter apartments to luxury lofts, everyone can take 
advantage of the arts, business, culture, entertainment, food, and recreation. Now, you might think of downtown as only the heartbeat of Houston's regional economy, which it is, but there's so much more to it, including free events throughout the week with Downtown Houston Plus. From the Market Square Park Farmer's Market every Saturday to Yoga Flow every Wednesday, you can find something to do and eat and watch in Downtown Houston. Learn more at downtownhouston.org. Downtown Houston, get energized and revived. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. All right, Brandy, are you ready for some rapid fire stories? Because I want to get your opinions. I value your opinion. So I can't wait to get your opinion on these stories. The first one, what would you do if this was your neighbor? Catherine Woodward has collected thousands of pumpkins in her Heights home front yard and has turned it into a massive soon-to-be composite collection. Now, the city has marked her front yard as a biohazard because these thousands of pumpkins are just right there. But Woodward claims that there's no smells, there's no gas release or anything else that could cause any kind of issues because as soon as a pumpkin starts to rot, she takes it to the bin and puts it into her garden by compositing all that, right? So, are, are we okay with this? What would you do if this was your neighbor in the Heights? I mean, if there's no smell, I guess that's okay. But it's hard for me to believe that that's the case. We've all had those jack-o'-lanterns that we left out too long mm. and then tried to scrape up. And you know that smell. It's not a good smell. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I oh I don't know. I know she's saying there's no smell and there's no like major gas releases and all that stuff. But even just looking at it every day, I'd be like, why are there pumpkins over there? Like, can we just get rid of these? Come on. But you know what? Like the Heights was was the quirky neighborhood, right? And and now a, a lot of money has come in and everything's gotten all, all clean and modern. But it was the reason people were drawn to it was because it was quirky and different and colorful and a yard full of pumpkins is colorful. <laughs> and the images, you have to see it. I put the story from ABC 13 in it. It is fascinating to look at. Like when I say thousands, I really mean thousands of pumpkins. So yeah, it is crazy to look at, but hey, good for her. You know what? Reuse mother nature's gifts to us. Where are these pumpkins coming from? She collected them from all her neighbors. From my understanding is she put a call out like, hey, don't throw your pumpkins into the trash. Come drop them off over here. We'll take them. Oh, nah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> That's a short life for those things. Nah. Side note, pumpkin seeds. Oh my gosh. So good. I went and bought extra pumpkins just to get the pumpkin seeds out and baked them and put some spices on it. And that was like my snack for two weeks. So I just want to throw that in there. I don't know why. You can buy them at H-E-B, Raheel. No, no, it's not the same. You, the fresh pumpkin seeds that you bake yourself, they're just way better. If you say so. Okay, second story here for you, Brandy. We might be one tiny little step closer to this mythical Houston to Dallas bullet train that we're always hearing about because the Department of Transportation has given the project a $500,000 grant for paperwork. So don't get excited. They're not building it just yet. I know that's a downer, but this important grant could help lay the groundwork for rails in the region connecting most major cities 
and the Dallas to Houston bullet train is expected to cost between 25 to 35 billion dollars. That's B billion dollars. So there's still a long way to go in all of this. Do you think we'll ever see this train happen? This mythical bullet train we keep hearing about 90 minutes to Dallas? When I moved here almost nine years ago, they were talking about it. Like it's it's almost here. It's almost here. And the more I researched it, they've been saying that for a, a number of years, now almost 10 years on. It, it's almost here. I wish it were closer to actually being a reality. I think a lot of us have made those jaunts between Dallas and Houston, or even Austin, San Antonio and Houston. How much easier would it be if you're not behind the wheel? You can get a lot of stuff done on a train. Growing up in Oregon, we had Amtrak and could just hop on the train and go to Seattle from Eugene. It was so convenient. And you get to see the scenery. I mean, not that there's maybe a lot of great scenery between here and Dallas. You get to see the Sam Houston statue. (laughs) That's all we get to see. Not doing that monotonous four-hour drive. I'll take it. Oh, I I, I wish it were closer to reality. Anytime I have to go to Dallas for any of my uh, other work-related trips, I'm like, can I? I'll just fly there. But then I feel bad. I'm like, why? Because I one, it's just it's so much pollution, right? Just to fly to Dallas. Like I feel bad personally. I know the flights are going either way. I feel like the train's gonna be a better solution, right? It won't be as polluting as a plane. So I feel better, but I don't know. This is this is a hard one. It is tough. I, I think there is a market for it. There yeah. are enough people who go back and forth between these two cities who don't want to necessarily go through TSA every time they have to hop on that 45-minute flight when they could be getting a lot more work done sitting on the train. Yeah. And just 90 minutes, that's not bad at all, right? Like it's so much easier. You hop on, you get out and you go wherever you need to. So yeah, I just saw that. I'm like, one day this mythical bullet train that we keep hearing about, and I'm with you like around the same time you moved here, I was on a flight with developers for this train and they're like, we're so close. We're so close. And I got so hyped up. I'm like, yes, because we were actually flying to Dallas for work. And I'm like, this is it. We're going to get this train the next two years. No, there's just so much farmland out there as well. The You got to figure out that portion of it. Then you got to build it and this and that. So one tiny step closer. We're getting paperwork done. Yay. Maybe in nine years, we can have this conversation again and we'll almost be there. <laughs> All right, Brandy. One thing we love to do on Tuesday is give whoever's on the show with me a chance to just get something off of your chest. It could be positive. It could be a gripe, whatever you want. This is your space. What do you got for us? I think my biggest gripe is that Houstonians are the nicest people I have ever met in my life until they get behind the wheel of a car. And I don't know why, especially this time of year, it really ramps up. Just driving in the car with my 16-year-old, she's not behind the wheel. She's in the passenger seat. The number of times she shrieks, oh my gosh, oh, ah, ah, what are you doing? She is yelling at the other drivers. So Houstonians, that wonderful hospitality and kindness that you have in your everyday life, I just need you to channel even a little bit more of it when you get in your car, please. Isn't it crazy how everyone changes when we we go from the nicest people and then we all just turn into maniacs and it's that traffic that does it. Like this is not Grand Theft Auto. This is not (laughs) a video game. This is real life. The number of crashes I've witnessed happen on the roads. I just, I want to get where I'm going safely. I know, I know y'all do too. Just tone it down a tiny bit. 
just take a chill pill, guys. We'll all eventually get there, okay? Just just relax, just relax. And that's all it takes. We don't have to cut people off. We don't have to act like maniacs. And, you know, then it gets to that weird point of like somebody does cut you off. You can't even honk because you don't want to be part of a road rage incident. So it's just wild out there. Please be safe and please have some courtesy. Okay, that's the other thing. Hallelujah. Yes, that's it right there. Uh, Mine is car related as well. And this is not a gripe, but a celebration because I've missed this story. So I want to bring this to the podcast. Residents of Second Ward will be getting free ride sharing benefits from RIDE, R-Y-D-E. Now, this pilot program for this free electric shuttle launched in Third Ward over the summer. And it was so successful that city council expanded it. Now, more than 30% of residents in Third Ward don't own cars, so the program was huge, helping residents get to grocery stores, doctor's appointments, or anywhere else they need to be. And now, Second Ward is going to get this as well. And these shuttles are awesome because they can fit up to five passengers. They're fully electric. They travel 25 miles per hour, so they keep it very local. And then you can, of course, bring all your stuff in there, get wherever you want. And you can just hail the, the shuttle with the RYDE app. So it's that easy, and it runs Monday through Friday. And I'm sure it's going to benefit a lot of people. And I just love seeing programs that actually help residents grow. And that's so cool. I also like the idea of vehicles traveling 25 miles per hour because that may also (laughs) counter some of the road rage. If I get stuck behind a a car going 25 miles per hour, I might honk. I'm just going to be, look, I'm just being honest with everyone. But they're going on side streets. They're not on the freeway. (laughs) You, You can't be going 25 miles an hour on the freeway. That's just a rule. That's true. That is true. Brandy, that was a lot of fun. I'm so happy about your new move and I can't wait to have you on CityCast Houston more. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much, Raheel. That was Brandy Smith. You can find all the stories we discussed in our show notes. So what's the strangest thing you've ever seen in a front yard? Was it thousands of pumpkins or was it something else? Send us a message with the info in our show notes. That will do it for today. Thank you for listening, and I hope you learned something new. Add some culture to my life, okay? That's what I'm doing.